Welcome to Permaweb Pioneers. We feature individuals, companies, projects, and more building on the Permaweb, a global, decentralized, and community-owned web built on top of Arweave. The hosts of this podcast and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All opinions of the hosts and the guests are their own. Nothing discussed on this podcast can be relied upon for investment decisions, nor is it investment advice. This podcast is solely for entertainment and informational purposes. In this episode of Permweb Pioneers, I'm speaking with Duncan Brown, who is a blockchain engineer and team lead at Veritree.com. That's V-E-R-I-Tree.com. Duncan, welcome to the Permweb Pioneers. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Excited to talk about what we're doing. Yeah. So uh, to give the listeners an overarching kind of idea from your website, the mission that Veritree has is to create the technology to verify and amplify the world's best nature-based solutions through technology. And this also leads into what you define as verified global restoration projects. Now, can you speak to the overarching mission of Veritree and maybe how you introduce it when speaking with others? Yeah. So Veritree was created out of a necessity for another company, which is Tentree. Tentree plants 10 trees for every piece of clothing that they sell. And what Tentree faced was a whole bunch of questions from their investors and their customers and kind of, you know, everyone in their community as to uh, the validity of these trees. So, you know, are they still alive? Um, has anyone else claimed their, their impact? Um, were they actually planted? Um, as most charitable industries are kind of opaque, the, um, the ability in the reforestation industry to be, uh, you know, fraudulent or less than truthful, uh, it's quite high. It, because the donors are so far away geographically from the forest projects, it's very easy to, um, you know, exaggerate or double count or, uh, you know, over, um, yeah, over claim what you actually did. So Veritree was created to solve that problem. Um, we essentially publish all of our tree planting data on chain. Um, we use the Cardano blockchain for the uh, the token and we also publish all the tree planting data on our weave um, as well so what this is is kind of a um a public repository for all tree planting data which lives on our weave and then we tokenize the trees and um, mint them on cardano and the reason that we do that is because um it is a, it gives us a means to distribute the trees to our clients and eventually to their clients as well. Um, so if you can imagine uh, all of the data that goes along with planting trees, which is usually you know, how many uh, tree planters were employed, where the trees are planted, how many trees were planted, if there's any photos um, and various kind of other uh, points of data, all of that is stored on our weave. And then right after we get uh, the field update, 
we mint tokens to Cardano. And those tokens point to the repository and Arweave as a way to, um, to then you know, distribute the trees. Got it. Thanks for that overview. We'll definitely dive into some of those specifics. Uh, before we do, I'm curious to learn a little bit about yourself as an individual and you know, some of the historical maybe touch points that has led you to building on Cardano and Arweave and this whole mission. Can you share a little bit about your journey, maybe perhaps into Web3, if you will? Yeah, absolutely. So I graduated university in 2016, um, about three months or four months after the Ethereum ICO. And I had been in Bitcoin, um, the Bitcoin community since around 2012 or so, just running miners out of my uh, dorm room and, you know, settling bar tabs with Bitcoin and kind of just like novel, I don't know, fun stuff. I, I saw Bitcoin as a revolutionary technology because it was a combination of finance and technology in a way that I'd never seen before. So right after I finished university, I went to St. Louis, uh, Missouri for a hackathon that um, I was sponsored to go to by an organization called the Blockchain Education Network. And I won the hackathon. So my team walked away with 28 Bitcoin. Um, the idea that we had created at the hackathon was identity, uh, was essentially a public registry for identity. And you, uh, would have a common set of attributes, which once hashed would give you a key, which, you know, as long as you are the, you and the government are the only ones knowing those attributes, it's a, it's a pretty, um, easy way to say that we can create security around your identity. Now, this was in the realm of like self-sovereign identity. Um, a lot of companies have since popped up and, and fizzled out in that realm, but I saw as identity as one of the key um, one of the key problems that needed to be solved before uh, complete adoption of cryptocurrency and you know and or Web three. Um, so I, I created a company out of that hackathon idea. I ran that for two years. Um, right around the ICO boom, we chose to do the traditional VC route, raised money, um, ran out of money, <laughs> fizzled down, and um, and since. Since uh, I left that company, I had been thinking about how I could really make a difference and uh, work on something that's like truly impactful. Um, raising money in the crypto space is quite a crazy experience. You meet a tremendous amount of eccentric billionaires and other extremely rich people and venture capitalists, and it's it's quite a ride. But after um, after you know going through that experience, I didn't didn't really have a, a complete connection with what I was building. Um, you know, be it that identity would unlock, uh, you know, I think it's like 3 billion of the world's unbanked, would provide a tremendous service to the whole world. Uh, I wasn't personally connected with that use case. And um, when you're talking about, you know, devoting your life to a company, you need to find something that you really, truly care about and, and can't sleep um, without thinking about or without, without fixing. So I started working on uh, distributed microgrids and solar panels as a way to, uh, you know, showcase blockchain um, inside of an adoptable scenario. So, you know, we would deploy solar panels in a uh, remote area of a very sunny location, um, somewhere where they have a resort, 
and a lot of people who work for the resort. So the solar panels would be providing you know energy for the resort, and then the resort would be paying the people who are running the solar panels. Um, this uh, I think it's being done by a couple of companies. Uh, I could mention them, but it's whatever. Um, that was my entry into the clean tech realm, and um, it really started to get me to think about how uh, this revolutionary technology has so many different applications in various industries that we think are, um, you know, as good as they can be. So case in point, charity um, and the charitable industry is not something that I think is run perfectly. And I think that Web3 um, and DeFi, for instance, could improve how charities uh, raise money, how they spend money and how they're accountable to their donors. Um, all of this led me to be introduced to the founders of Tentree, um, and I sat down with with the one who created Veritree, um, and we chatted for a while, and out of the conversation, he offered me a job because he liked what I was talking about. <laughs> um, and, and since I joined Veritree, we very, very quickly wanted to do a, uh, a token sale where we could tokenize trees and get those trees into the user's hands as fast as possible. Which, uh, which led us to Cardano, um, who is also you know, focusing on uh, the green concept of a green blockchain, of a carbon neutral blockchain. And um, the ideas really came together perfectly. I, I think I had a deck that I was presenting where I was talking about tokenizing trees and someone from, from Cardano had a deck that they were presenting talking about tokenizing trees. So it really was a, a match made in heaven there. Um, so yeah, since since I've joined Veritree, it's really just been um, a whirlwind of falling more and more in love with Web three, seeing you know absolutely um, like amazing and untapped opportunities, and just uh, realizing that you know someone like me who is not at the um, the tail end of my career, I can uh, you know I'm a fresh face, I'm, I'm 28. I can be um, thought of as an expert and hold my own in a room of uh, individuals who have you know, truly amazing domain experience, but not the experience in, in blockchain and Web3 that I do. So it sounds like definitely a wild ride from the Bitcoin days until now with Veritree. So I definitely appreciate you sharing that because I find it really fascinating to learn a little bit more about the act, the individual in particular, because there's so many fascinating journeys, including yours, to get to the point to build something on quote unquote Web3. Uh, as far as your tech stack, um, you are building on Cardano and Arweave. Can you speak a little bit to that in particular? Like, why are you building on these two technologies? Yep. So Arweave was a no-brainer. Um, that was, I, I've used IPFS, um, which is, a, I guess, a competitor kind of, of Arweave a number of times. And I've run into a number of issues where it's just not permanent. So we chose Arweave because the permanence was a, you know, a requirement. It was something that we could not, um, we could not, you know, avoid. It was an absolute requirement was permanence. And um, the importance of like permanence for tree planting data and other carbon sequestration data or other like um, anything to do with, with large amounts of land and uh, like either ownership of the land or resource use or like 
any of the kind of countless other um, utilities, it is very important to make sure that that information never gets deleted, in my opinion. Um, even if we aren't using the information accurately or if we aren't uh, using it to its full capacity, it was very clear to us that we needed to store it permanently forever, you know, question answered. Um, so Arweave was introduced to me by Stephen, uh, the co-founder of Veritree. He's been you know, a long-term investor. And I reached out to their team and I said, hey, like uh, we want to build this uh, this like uh, tree token and we want to use your um, your tech stack or your, your product as a way to store the data. Um, and the Arweave team has been extremely helpful and extremely um, you know, open to collaborating. So, um, so from there, we, we found our uh, almost like repository of data. Um, and since we are using our weave, we can publish tokens to Cardano, we can publish tokens to Polygon, we can publish tokens to any other blockchain, as long as the common uh, data repository is, you know, stays the same. And um, why we chose Cardano was, you know, like I said before, the, the Cardano Foundation had reached out to us and we had tremendously, tremendous alignment on what we wanted to do with the tree token, how we wanted to, um, you know, create a green asset that users could hold as a way to, um, you know, use some of their gain, gains for impact or whatever someone wants to do with a tree. We're not going to sit here and kind of ideate on that. Um, but the, one of the biggest benefits of using Cardano was they have a metadata field that's easily, uh, accessible without standing up smart contracts. So the time to deployment for Cardano was significantly less than it was going to be for Polygon or any other EVM. Um, and why I'm not even really mentioning Ethereum is, uh, Ethereum being a proof of work blockchain currently, uh, that, that, um, you know, pretty much made, like disqualified it right then and there. We didn't want to be uh, creating, you know, more uh, resource consumption than we were able to sequester with the tree. So we'd narrowed it down to, you know, Polygon or Cardano as our, uh, you know, launch launchable blockchains. And, um, and yeah, just with Cardano, like the, the metadata field makes it very easy to display data associated with the tree. So right now we have a tree that is, you know, planted at this GPS coordinate, was planted by these people on this date, verified on this date, and, and we have a photo with it as well. So I'm interested in, in exploring the actual collection of that data. Before we jump into that topic, on your site, there are two primary sponsors of the project, one of which is Samsung, the other is Cardano. How did that come about with Samsung in particular? So, yeah, it's funny. Um, so when we launched, we were maybe three months into beta with our collect tools. So we launched our token sale in September and we had deployed tools to the field in July. So it was very, very, you know, new um, for everyone you know, using these collect tools, reporting on them and publishing the data on chain. Um, so what we had been doing with Cardano, which started in September, attracted a couple other, you know, organizations and um, 
they reached out and wanted to be involved with either with the you know nf tree component with the uh the, the tokenized tree component they just most companies uh having seen that other people have verified trees now they want verified trees and specifically with samsung um, there's also mogul bank who is participating in the planting site so the the owners of the planting site are cardano samsung and mogul bank and they are the three major sponsors behind um, the kenya planting site um, and what that means is we're going to plant i think about six million five or six million don't quote me on the, the hard number we're going to plant some million of trees and those trees are going to be allocated to Cardano, Samsung, and Mogul Bank. I see. And regarding the actual monitoring and collection, so there's a lot that happens through Veritree, and you have dashboards and, and all these types of things. For the monitoring, you actually have individuals on the ground in the field taking photos there's also some geospatial technology are you do you have drones what does the collection of this data look like on the ground yeah so this is where we are um you know really groundbreaking um in what we're building so version one are these collect tools which is an android application uh, it's run on the samsung s4 and we sent a hundred of them to the Kenya location in July. And since we've sent them to many more locations across the world and, and scaled quite rapidly, but the first tool, first and foremost tool is this collect app because that's what captures the planting information. So um, prior to a, our app, um, all planting information would come in on paper or the back of a napkin or a photo or whatever various other way the, the person had to submit the planting information. But, you know, sometimes it would come with a photo, sometimes it would come with a GPS location, but we couldn't actually uh, guarantee that we would have a standard, you know, data set for each planting partner across each planting site. So the need for a app kind of became present and, um, and the app standardizes how we collect that data. So we, we ask for a photo, which captures metadata, which is you know, GPS location, timestamp, and other very important information. We also ask how many trees have that, has that person planted in the session. We ask for their project lead. Um, there's some other uh, socioeconomic information that we ask for as well. But we found that the step from paper to digital was uh, a huge barrier for just accurate information and just that you know first step alone has been a huge uh, learning curve for everyone involved um, you know there's multiple different languages multiple different cultures and and various other kind of demographics that we operate within um, so icons don't exactly work translating to every individual language doesn't exactly work so it's been quite a bit of a back and forth with our development team to make sure that this app is replicable across all of the different planting sites and locations that we we operate in um, so that's version one just just the collect app and uh, oh and I mean I shouldn't mention how we actually get the data so most of this these environments are are low to no network environments so we have no cell service no internet so we we built another app which sits on a tablet and that tablet goes from location to location syncing with each phone 
grabbing all the data and creating uh, you know a record, a planting record, which then uh, combines and rolls into the field update, which I get and publish on chain or in Arweave and then on chain. Um, furthermore, what we're working on right now is ground sensors and other acoustic sensors, soil moisture uh, recording devices and certain IoT devices, which can capture um, a, a constant stream of data, which a person just wouldn't be able to do. So that is in the R&D lab right now. We deployed them in one of our sites in Canada, just as like a, you know, a test case. Um, but that's those are going to be rolled out across the world to every planting site as a second layer of data, um, data source. And um, yeah, it's, it's, and then we're going even further and we'll be working with like um, satellite providers and drone providers after year five of the tree's life, because before the fifth year, the tree isn't really big enough to be seen from space and it's usually covered by other foliage. So drones don't really do much either. So, um, you know, as we grow and as our, our tools become or as our, our projects become more and more mature, we're going to be syncing in with other uh, other providers. So there's a ton involved here, and the monitoring is literally from the soil to space is the objective. And I know that all of that isn't maybe completely implemented in the moment. It's that's that's part of the vision is to actually go from soil to space for monitoring the planting and verifying this data and then storing that on our weave via Cardano or Polygon or whatever other chain um, you decide to uh, build on. There's a lot there. Like there are so many components and we're only talking about monitoring and we're talking about these kind of three components of Veritree collect, Veritree aggregate and Veritree management of basically just this data. How do you accumulate it? How, what do you do with it? And how is it portrayed to individuals? How do you, just to kind of pause for a moment, you know, we haven't even gone into all of the topics of Veritree and there's a lot here. How do you personally manage the concepts? Like what does your team look like? What what is what is your 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 day-to-day -day like, you know, internally and and externally as far as bringing this all together? Yeah, um, good question. Cause we have grown from, I think I was the third or fourth, or I was one, uh, you know, one of the first five employees of Veritree and now we are at 16, 17, almost 20 now. Um, so the majority of the team is developers. We have, uh, you know, three tremendous back-end developers, two front-end developers, um, project managers, and um, then we have a number of business development leads and sales who are, you know, we're all kind of just coordinating what is uh, available to sell and what is build ready and what is being put out. Um, so that we're all in line. And I think it works really well because we're a small team and we can fit on, you know, we can all get on a call together and align. Um, However, you know, we are starting to see some of those growing pains of, uh, of uh, you know, either uh, mentioning things too soon or, um, you know, not releasing things on time. All those other kind of like startup pains that, that every company sees, we're starting to feel them. Um, but the blockchain team is, is, is uh, it's myself and Steven, and we're just about to hire a community lead. 
Um, and what that community lead will be doing will be uh, specifically, you know, managing all of our market, our outward crypto marketing, which is Discord, Twitter, and uh, Medium posts and other kind of publications. Um, as the blockchain concept develops, we're going to be implementing more and more Web3 tools to make the experience uh, more contained. So right now, uh, Cardano doesn't have smart contracts you know, fully um, rolled out to a capability where everyone can use them. So because of that, we're using payment addresses, which is uh, you know, send your tokens to this address and we'll respond with tokens um, similar to the like ICO days of, of Ethereum in 2017. Um, so version two is going to be uh, a bunch of you know Web3 connections. So so parse the user's wallet, uh, pull their assets, and display a unique experience based on the assets they're holding. Um, and in order to do that, we've created what we call a donation record. And the donation record is a sum of the number of trees this person has contributed to uh, for the ITO. So from those trees, we can, you know, uh, we can work backwards for area reforested, um, carbon sequestered over 25 years, uh, work hours provided, and other kind of metrics which are important for, you know, SDG reporting. And how we see this rolling into you know future product is uh, we really want to focus on the impacts created. So um, being that these trees sequester carbon, that is often something that all like that's all most people will talk about and care about when you're talking about reforestation is how much carbon is being sequestered. Um, let's calculate that carbon and let's let's issue token, let's issue credits for those for that those carbon tons and let's sell those on market. Um, unfortunately, the, the way that is done today is extremely uh, inefficient and pays exorbitant amounts of money to a, a few, um, few companies that provide these services. So in order for a, uh, a, tr a planting project to receive carbon credits, they have to hire auditors. Those auditors are sent to location, and they audit the planting project. They then, you know, present a document to the registry and the registry issues credits based on that. But often the price of audit is more expensive than, you know, one year of credit. So they'll, they'll bundle the credits into five years, 10 years, 20 years and apply, uh, apply at once when they can cover the costs. So Veritree sees this as a huge opportunity for IoT uh, to do what humans can't and to incentivize local communities to do what they can. So one of the core comp con uh, core concepts of Veritree is to work with communities surrounding the forests because at some point, the forests are going to be more valuable cut down than staying in the ground to them. If a, if a lumber company comes and pays every everyone in that local village, you know, $2 a tree, they're going to be getting chainsaws and cutting those trees down. And there's nothing that we can do being, you know, in Vancouver, in North America, uh, to stop them immediately. So I, I and the rest of the team fundamentally believe that if we can change, if we can change the incentive model that most people have surrounding, like in the, in the local villages surrounding the forests to um, something that earns them money for leaving the trees in the ground instead of, um, you know, being more valuable cut down, 
then the trees will stay in the ground. And uh, this is something that we're going to be putting to test. And one of the big reasons that we are rolling out a, you know, a blockchain product so that we can remove all of those middlemen between the people on the ground, the community, and the people paying for the project. Yeah, of course, you know, increasing efficiency is a cornerstone of this technology at large. Now, I think many, uh, rightfully so, can kind of question efficiency with with a lot of the experiences on Ethereum in particular, where, you know, it's costly, it's, you know, it, it requires some time. Um, and to be fair, I think we're just in the middle of some growing pains in general within the, the entirety of the ecosystem to get to that point where it is completely and obviously more efficient to go this route as opposed to another. Now, you mentioned briefly incentive models, and you were speaking to the incentive models or mechanisms for individuals in the communities, which is obviously hugely important in saving the trees that are there while also providing economic opportunities for the individuals that reside in that area, which of course is incredibly complex and there's a lot of socioeconomic components um, in managing that. I'm curious about the incentives on the consumer side, if you will. I don't know if consumer is the correct verbiage um, for individuals that want to invest in tree planting. Um, you have some trackable tree codes. Like what does someone get when they purchase or support tree planting through Fairtree? Yeah. So right now there's two ways to do this. Um, one directly with the token sale and, um, that token sale almost sits as an individual customer to Veritree. So if you think about the, the Cardano ITO, we're planting 1 million trees. We're, we're just, um, to the corporate entity, those 1 million trees are from one customer, which is the Cardano forest. Um, other customers like Samsung and Mogo, uh, who I mentioned, will be distributing their trees to their users. So I believe every $100 spent on online in North America plants one tree with Samsung. And for Mogo Bank, it's every transaction uh, of the prepaid Visa card plants one tree. Um, and I, I might be getting these numbers a bit wrong, but we're providing them the uh, application so that when their customers do something, it does good in the world or, or it will lead to a good impact, you know, from that action. So uh, if you want to support direct, if you want to support a forest directly, you can purchase tokens, which are, you know, matched or mapped to a tree. And if you just want to support customers or, you know, corporations who are doing good on behalf of their customers, that is another way to, uh, that's another way that you can interact with Veritree uh, as well. So if you think about the, the 10 tree model, which is, you know, purchase, you know, a t-shirt, they give out a tree code with 10 trees in that tree code. When that code is scanned, um, you log into an impact wallet and you can claim those trees. Got it. And are there any other organizations out there? I know you mentioned 10 tree. Um, are there any other organizations out there that are inspiring to you and possibly the Veritree team in, in general? Yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's a 
ton of organizations. It's crazy. Everyone, everyone wants trees. Um, there is a, a huge demand uh, on trees right now. Um, there have been some massive private investments and some some really big public investments as well. But I think people see trees as a hedge on the future value for carbon. And um, by purchasing trees, they're almost, um, you know, capturing some of that uh, potential upside from future earnings of carbon credits. But I think that's a bit ahead of where we are right now. Um, we've seen a lot of uh, NFT projects want to get involved uh, to offset their Ethereum transactions, or um, we've also seen companies that want to, um, you know, like, like, uh, for instance, the Samsung, you know, every $100 spent plants one tree. So there's different types of ways that these trees can be distributed to their customers. But at the end of the day, it's a, it's a kind of like full cycle where the trees come from us to an end user through um, some sort of third party. Um, yeah. Does, does that answer your question? Yeah. I mean, I was just wondering if there were any particular organizations that you find, I think this is a good segue into how you vet on the ground organizations that are already tree planting, because this is, it's a lot of work to plant trees. It's a lot of work to take care of trees. It's a lot of work to, you know, have all the seedling operation to know all of this and to implement it with, a community involved. I mean, that is a lot of heavy lifting for so many reasons. How do you and Veritree assess organizations on the ground that are planting trees that you think will be ideal to uh, a long-term positive outcome? Yeah. So we have um, our director of impact, uh, Kathleen Buckingham, who is leading the kind of, um, she sets the guidelines for any of the partners that we're going to work with. Um, and we have set these guidelines because of the work that we've done with Tentree. So Veritree is in a really cool position because Tentree has been in operation for 10 years and they've you know, fought the uphill battle of finding good partners, of validating and doing the due diligence and creating that like framework of what a good planting partner is. And uh, because, you know, they've been in the industry for 10 years, we can piggyback off what they have created and offer this, uh, this business model to plant trees based on, you know, some sort of consumer action to other companies, you know, not just 10 tree. So uh, for the vetting process, we work with Eden Reforestation um, is our uh, one of the biggest NGOs, our planting NGOs. And we work with a couple um, other ones that I am uh, that aren't coming to mind right now. But um, these organizations have to have, you know, good standing record and also fulfill some of the or all of the. Uh, guidelines which Kathleen has set out which is you know using local communities planting in deforested areas uh, not planting monoculture so being very wary and aware of the species that were planted before um, as well as I think we're mostly only planting on government land so the uh, the area once was a forest so we're just bringing it back to that state um, but that being said, probably every day we get a request to work with, um, you know, a new planting partner. And um, 
that's something that we are focusing on as a you know friction point for growth because right now it's a it's a manual due diligence process where we vet the partner we vet their planting uh, policies and activities and we decide based on there but you know how i see the future of the veritree um, product is um, a trustless way to validate that work has been done and pay out based on that work done so um, you know smart contracts which control the uh, i guess uh, formatting and standardization of verification data and then paying the user based on the data that they are providing. Yeah, that verification component obviously is really important. And uh, hence, I imagine the reason why it's in the name Veritree, because there are so many difficult, there's so many processes that one has to go through to get to the bottom of things if there isn't a ledger that can be easily accessed. It's like in someone's spreadsheet in you know on their local laptop or something. And, um, and this obviously with the intention here is to open that up and you see the entire process, you see the entire ledger, all that history and that data, that metadata and everything, location updates and everything like that to build more trust. It sounds, you know, there's, there's a certain degree of, of skepticism, just rhetorically speaking, like in the world, in some areas about tree planting and you touched on this very briefly, which is monoculture and how, you know, what was once there was incredibly diverse of all sorts of trees and shrubs and grass and everything like that. And, you know, it's it's just kind of out there that, you know, some individuals and some scientists and stuff have been kind of pondering and thinking, okay, well, what what benefit does tree planting actually provide when in some areas it's maybe best to just like buy the land and let the forest do its work to repopulate that area. How do you think about, you know, for example, maybe like what the nature conservancy does to a certain extent with buying land and, and like protecting things and working on government land, planting trees. Like, I'm just kind of curious of your perspective and, and, and how you see Veritree kind of, yeah, doing great work for, for the long haul. Like, is there other scientists involved? Like, what's what's that and uh, like? Yeah, so um, great question. I think it's it's like tree planting is, is kind of a, a, a very, very broad term which can be used, you know, for good and, and for bad too. Like, what we're talking about for our our projects, we're focusing on you know deforested areas there that were once you know, thriving ecosystems, and we're also looking at areas that um, are experiencing the effects of climate change faster. So specifically in the, the Kenya planting project, we're planting along coastal regions because the rate of coastal degradation has um, grown so much that it's actually encroaching on you know villages and human population and and just um they are seeing the effects firsthand of climate change way faster than we are in the global north so first of all it is very important to plant where planting is needed and um, not to for the point of planting where it isn't needed so um just to that point 
when we are choosing a you know planting site, we look to uh, Eden or our planting partner to bring up um, you know why this planting site should be chosen, and we can vet that with our internal team, uh, who's led by Kathleen, who she actually wrote um, the Road to Restoration for the WRI, which uh, is a bit of, it's a framework of how SDGs can be mapped to metrics. So we'll be you know using that framework to as a as a way to um, publish the data that we ingest as actionable and um, as actual sorry as as numbers associated with SDG um, impacts. So what I mean by that, because that sounds kind of vague as I'm saying it, is you know say say we plant a hundred thousand trees in an area and it employs uh, twenty people over two weeks. The socioeconomic SDG benefits also should be accounted for and represented in that planting work. Um, so we're not just looking at this from an environmental standpoint. We're looking at it from uh, you know socioeconomic as well as environmental as well as just a general uh, much more broad uh, cross section of all the SDG impacts and using you know this framework. Um, as a way to choose where we plant or where we don't plant. And the SDGs that you're referring to, that's the UN Global Goals, the Sustainable Development Goals, correct? So there are, of course, as mentioned previously, a lot of components, a lot of layers to navigate both on the ground and in the blockchain. And in this case, the block weave, of course, on, on our weave. There's also the socioeconomic layer, and I, I know you just spoke to that, which is why I'm referencing it. In the vetting process for you know working with these partners, it sounds like Kathleen is doing a great job and has a lot of experience on this end. Are there any like red flags that you're just like, okay, they may be doing great work. We just don't work with that type of entity. Is there anything that that has come up or anything that is kind of in your almost bylaws of we don't support that type of thing? Or are you relatively agnostic to any sort of, for example, like, you know, proselytizing of religion or I don't know, like any any parameters that you abide by? Yeah. And, and uh, I, I can speak to two that I've heard you know, mentioned a number of times, and I'm sure we have many more, but one of them is, is the cost of the tree. Um, it's not a race to the bottom. We're not trying to find the cheapest tree and stick that tree in the ground. Um, mostly because there's a lot of work, you know, that we have spoken about already that goes into finding planting sites and, and then growing the nursery of trees that we're going to plant in there. So that care has to be done um and that care has to be factored into the cost of the tree so we would rather pay more for a tree than less if that if that tree is planted in the right location by the right people and done properly the other thing that is an absolute must is working with the local uh communities and this is something that um has been talked about a bit more and more recently but the idea of like volunteerism where flying individuals in to plant trees as a means of you know volunteering doing good and whatever you know that may be great for those people but it actually takes a lot away from the community it, it removes their 
you know, firsthand attachment to that forest. It removes their ability to, uh, to provide for the forest. And it, it also just severs the bond that we want to grow between the forest and the community. So those are the two that like, you know, I, I keep hearing over and over again, but I'm, uh, I'm also not the best person to talk to, but, uh, uh, there, I know, you know, I know there are a couple more red flags that I'm just, uh, I'm just not aware of. Yeah. I mean, and to be clear, you know, you, as far as your title, I know it's multifaceted clearly based upon our discussion here, you, you know, you're focused on the engineering and, and the blockchain development and, you know, Kathleen and others on your team get into the super specifics on the vetting and everything like that. I mean, imagine it sounds clear to me that you're also involved in, in everything as small teams, um, relatively small teams do. It's just, you know, some of these super specifics, uh, I, I imagine are, are handled particularly by like a group, uh, or a specific individual within, uh, Veritree. Um, and more on the topic of the technology before we wrap up, uh, you have the, you have API integrations, you have these QR codes, uh, so you can, you know, get your tree codes. You have this impact, this notion of an impact wallet, uh, company forest, partner portals. Like there's a lot of technology here. And then we're talking about IOTs. We're talking about satellites. What do you see going forward as far as the development team is concerned like how many more individuals are you interested in bringing on are you hiring what opportunities are out there for listeners potentially oh yeah we're, we're scaling we're scaling like crazy um we're going to be hiring uh, i think i think the plan is to double by the end of the year um but yeah the we're kind of looking at this as like a web two and a web three uh type of environments we have deployed the impact wallet on the 10 tree side as a web two um, product any trees that you uh, acquire through purchasing of clothes can be registered in this impact wallet and it's done completely end to end um, centralized in a in a 10 tree database we're hoping to well, we're not hoping to over the next you know six to nine to, to year a year we're going to be taking that and turning it into a web three type of product where uh, you know username password is no longer needed um, we'll be pulling information from on chain uh, so like the public ledgers and uh, it's more of a uh, a unique experience based on your impact and contribution um, which is verifiable across the various different blockchains that we use and it's funny like I get this question all the time um, like why why blockchain who cares what's the point and um for something as important as environmental restoration um i would hope that anyone that you're donating your money to is doing their due diligence in making sure that the money is actually being spent on this project and that's why you know we wanted to use blockchain because we can prove and show very very easily that the money has been spent here, that the trees have been you know, planted here, the trees have been allocated to this customer, they're held in this wallet. Um, it was a, you know, like the field, field update of 400,000 trees, you know, 125,000 went to the Cardano Forest, the rest went to Mogul Bank or the rest went to Samsung or however we, we separate it. 
we can just point to wallets and transactions instead of, you know, the, the trust us type lot. Well, it makes, it makes tons of sense. You know, I think as the host or one of the hosts of the Perm Web Pioneers, um, I think, uh, you know, just myself as an individual and our listeners uh, definitely respect the power of uh, decentralized ledgers and of course, blockchain and block weave technology. Duncan, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the Permweb Pioneers. I encourage all the listeners out there to check out veratree.com. You can see that in the show notes and uh, just appreciate you being here and, and sharing more. Thank you so much for having me. It was a, it was a pleasure. I love talking about this technology. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Permaweb Pioneers, a podcast focused on growing awareness of Arweave and the Permaweb. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Otherwise, share this episode with friends and family and whoever else you think may find it useful and interesting. Thank you for being a part of our community of pioneering long-term thinkers securing the present and future of data.